Beautifully given. Thank you. Our young friends at this time are dismissed to junior church, grades one through six. If that's you, or you have a young person with you, grades one through six, and you'd like to know what goes on in junior church, you are more than welcome to attend with them as they follow our children's workers to the fellowship hall. If you poison the spring of a river, everything downstream is poison. In a hot day, a sultry hot day, in August of 2014, when ISIS came to the Iraqi town of Sinune, roaring uh, around the flanks of the Sinjar Mountains in the country's far northwest, the black-clad figures quickly seized whatever men, women, and children hadn't been able to make their escape Uh, after Iraqi and nearby Kurdish forces collapsed when they faced the ISIS surge. The men and old women were mostly murdered and put into mass graves. The others were sold into slavery. Then, having eviscerated the area's human life, the jihadists got to work on the natural landscape. First, they carted away anything of value, including many miles of electrical line, tens of thousands of livestock, Soon after, they torched much of what couldn't be stolen. The shattered villages are still littered with the blackened stumps of once sprawling olive groves. Finally, as a kind of primeval coup de grace, they pointed, excuse me, they poisoned or sabotaged practically every well they could get their blood-stained hands on before slowly falling back as the anti-extremist coalition regrouped. The message they left residents was this. Even if you survive us, you won't survive the lifeless environment that you'll return to. Did you notice what they did to their wells, what they did to their water supplies? They poisoned or they blocked them up. Many people don't think about that today because we get our water from the pipes in our house. But how many of you grew up where your water came from a well? Anybody have that? Any of you actually have to go and draw water from a a river at any point in time? Did that ever happen? A few few of our folks here. Where was that, Clark? Okay, I just, I thought it was, but I didn't want to assume and offend anybody. We don't think much about that, but there's a wellspring inside of people. And we oftentimes don't even think about that. We might have problems in our life, and when we try our best efforts to fix those problems, maybe it's something with anxiety or depression or lust or anger or bitterness, uh, addiction, whatever it might be, we end up trying to solve those problems downriver of where the source actually is. And when we focus on that area downriver, the problem may never change because the problem could be up at the source of where it began. Our heart is the source. And that seems obvious, but then the question would be, if it's obvious, why haven't we all fixed the heart problems that then flow their way downstream? Well, the answer is because it's difficult, because it's indirect, because it seems slower and more time-consuming. It's easier just to slap a Band-Aid on it and think to ourselves, a new plan will do it, a new program will do it, a new set of circumstances will do it. However, Many people will end up still stuck, even after all of those efforts, until they fix what's polluting everything else downstream. Let's follow this thought as we continue in our sermon series on the heart of the matter uh, to Proverbs chapter 4. 
to Proverbs chapter 4 as we look at this idea of the source of all of the wellspring or the issuing forth of our lives. In Proverbs chapter number 4, we'll begin reading together in verse number 20. Proverbs 4 and verse number 20. The word of God says this. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Let's pray together. Father, bless your word in this hour. As you promised, may it not return void. May it divide and pierce and find exactly what it needs to find in all of us, that we might have the joy and blessing that you desire for us to have. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs is a collected book of moral, ethical instructions. It's the inspired word of God, and inside of it, we find it deals with many different aspects of life, how to lead wise, godly lives, but then also the consequences of what happens when people live unwise or ungodly lives and how those that want to walk in wisdom can avoid many of the pitfalls of that. And so when you, in verse number 20, Begin reading here. Notice the heart of a father speaking to his son. My son, attend to my words. Proverbs is mostly attributed, though not all of it, to Solomon, the wisest natural man that ever lived. And what we have when we read these words is probably, though inspired by God, a father who is talking to his son, who wants to leave him timeless truth, who wants to invest something in him so that he will continue on that truth in his own life. We looked at a passage last week talking about how there is no greater joy than to hear that your children walk in truth. And so as we think of an earthly father talking to an earthly son about the words that he wants him to remember, let's not forget that this is not in any normal book. This is the word of God. And so for those of us, as we look at this, we can think not only as a father to a son in an earthly way, but in a heavenly father to his children here on earth to hear what it is that he has for us. I imagine that you were given at some point in time in your life words of wisdom from somebody. How many of you, someone told you something, their desire was to help you and it stuck in your mind? How many of you had something like that, right? Maybe it was your father, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was a mother, maybe it was a grandparent, maybe it was an aunt or uncle, maybe it was a coach, maybe it was a teacher, but somebody wanted to give you something to help you. And so you can imagine the heart of a father wanting his son to do well. He's saying in verse number 20, my son, attend to my words. Pay attention. That's what it means to attend to my words. Pay attention to the things that I'm saying. Have you ever talked to someone that wasn't paying attention? Uh-huh, Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. What, wait, what? Or I already told you that. I told you that yesterday. No, you didn't. Well, maybe it actually happened and we weren't listening. There are some times when you're going through the normalities of life when you're not really paying attention to everything going on around you. Uh, I don't know if you're like this, but if there's a TV on in the room where I'm at, chances are I'm distracted. Chances are I'm distracted. So I've got to try and focus. Some of you are giving like the side eye to the people that you came to church with this morning. It's weird. I don't know why you're all doing this. Mm -hmm. I don't know why that's going on. But imagine if someone was sitting you down to tell you some of the most important advice that you'll ever get. 
that's going to affect the rest of your life. And they're like, you need to listen. You need to pay attention. You need to hear what I have to say to you. And really, every time we open the Word of God, every time we come to a place where the Word of God is taught, as in Sunday school and our adult Bible classes, every time we come into a church service where the Word of God is being preached, you can imagine our Heavenly Father saying, my son, attend unto my words. Pay attention to what it is that I'm going to say. I have been in church services that were absolutely boring and I got nothing out of them. Sometimes I was preaching. (laughs) What is that? Why could you go to church and get nothing out of it, but somebody else walks out and says, that's one of the best messages I've ever heard. Wasn't that life-changing? And you're like, what part? You know, I was, I I mean, maybe I'll go back and listen to it. I, I was, you know, scrolling on my phone. I don't know what was going on. You say, what happened? One person came with a desire to listen and to attend to the words of his father, and the other person just showed up without any preparation. There is times when I have missed great sermons that have been preached, but they were preached around me because I wasn't aware enough to receive what it was that I needed to receive. He's saying, don't ignore this. It'll have eternal consequences. Verse number 20 continues. He says, my son, attend unto my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. You've seen somebody do this. They're having trouble hearing you. So they go, what? What do they do? You're talking over here and then you're having trouble hearing and you turn your whole body and you cup your ear so that you're gathering all of those sound waves in and you say, what? Because you are tuning in to listen to something. Maybe you've been in a crowded, noisy restaurant and you're seated across from someone and you're trying to listen to what they have to say and you've got to pay all of your attention. You're like reading lips even though you don't know how to read lips. The best gluten-free burger that I have had in town is at a place called the Yard House by Crocker Park. I don't know if I'll ever go back because it's so loud in there. Listen to how old I sound. It is so loud in there that I can't even understand the person I'm seated across. In fact, I looked, I I asked the person, I'm like, where did you get these these gluten-free buns? These are fantastic. And they're like, oh, I'll have the chef tell you what it is. They have a chef for their burgers. So they told me they come from Denmark. They're, they're $3 a piece, and they only sell them in packs of 100. <laughs> I'm like, never mind. I'll deal without it. But I can sit there remembering I have to focus in and incline. What did I have to do? I had to tune everything else out so that I could be focused in a certain direction. When I want to listen to someone who's saying something and there's distraction around me, there's noise around me, I'm going to have to reorient myself to hear it. This is similar to paying attention. If I'm looking this way and someone's talking at me over here, only one of my ears is paying attention or could be paying attention. If I turn and look at them, that's one of the things that that struck me about Charles Keene. If you've ever had the privilege of meeting Dr. Keene, a wonderful guy, but anytime he was walking around somewhere, and whether it was a hallway of a church or a college, and, and he went, went to shake your hand, he stopped everything he was doing, he turned his whole body towards you, he made direct eye contact with you, and when he shook his hand, you, you felt like he was there. You felt like he was paying attention. And it, it really made a difference to me. It really made a difference. I know people that pay attention that don't look like they're paying attention. Do, do, you, do you have someone like that in your life? They're actually paying attention, but they don't look like it. They're kind of like staring off, and they're like drumming on something, and they're flipping through whatever's in front of them. But when you ask them afterwards, were you paying attention? Like, oh, yeah, I can tell you everything that was going on, right? Well, most people are not like that. 
So your orientation in your heart towards God is important if you're going to listen to what he has to say. He says, incline your heart towards me. If we're not inclining our hearts toward him, if we're not inclining our ears towards him, then to whom are we inclining our ears? Who are we listening to? Because like a crowded restaurant, this world is filled with voices and ideas and philosophies. And if we're not listening to what the word of God has to say, we're certainly listening to something else. There's very little silence. In fact, you have to go out of your way to create silence in this world because it's everywhere. And there's lots of voices out there who would oppose the sayings that here the son is being encouraged to listen unto, to my sayings as opposed to those other ones. I have been given bad advice. How many of you have ever been given bad advice? Right? I have been given bad advice before. And you know, I, I hate the idea of me making a poor decision because of getting bad advice, but it worries me even more about my children making a bad decision because they've been given bad advice. But it's hard to know whether your advice is good or bad unless you have a standard by which you measure it. And so how do you know? Does it line up with the sayings of the word of God? Is it right and wrong and true and false and ought to be done or ought not to be done according to God's word or just people's ideas? It's, it's easy to hear what your friends are saying because you know that they're your friends and they care about you, but they can oftentimes be wrong. I've had, I've had friends that cared about me give me terrible advice. And I'm so glad that many of those times, the time that I had spent in the word of God, whether it was in church, Sunday school, uh, my own studies, it raised a red flag. Consider whom you're listening to. Verse number 21 says, let them not depart from thine eyes. Let what not depart? Well, don't lose track of my sayings. Don't lose track of the things that I've said. They can be fleeting. Um, it, it's interesting. I'll say it now because you'll be able to do it tonight because I've said it this morning. But there is a high percentage chance that in an evening service on a Sunday, I can ask somebody who was here in the morning service and say, what was the sermon on this morning? And they'll have a hard time telling me. You know what else is crazy? There's a good chance if you ask me what I preached on in the morning, I've already moved on to the evening message. I won't be able to think about anything but the thing I'm going to preach next. And I'll have to stop and think, what did I preach on this morning? How crazy is it that we can forget things that fast? It is. It's in one moment and it's out the next. Because as soon as we walk out of here, what is it? Well, we've got laundry to do. We've got Monday to get ready for. Well, maybe not this Monday, depending on what you're doing and, and where you work. We've got lunches to pack, perhaps, and, and last-minute homework to make sure that kids do. And we have to prepare our minds to go into the office and uh, perhaps we've got a busy schedule planned and it immediately steals away the things we've heard at church. A life-changing truth might be given to us this morning, but unless we keep our eyes on it, it might fly away. We'll talk about this next week, but there's an active effort by an enemy to steal God's word away from you. Did you know that? He doesn't want you to get it, and if you do get it, he doesn't want you to hold on to it. He wants to make sure that it's stolen away before it has any chance to make your life better because he's out to make your life worse. And so he says, keep your eyes on it. Don't let it get away. You see, there's lots of distraction. There's lots of things that's fake that look real. I remember getting fool's gold as a child. 
They had those little plastic packs of all the different kinds of rocks and minerals that you would get, and there would be one that would look like gold, but it wasn't. What was it really? Pyrite, right? It looked like it was good, but it really wasn't good. And if I went to a jeweler and I'm like, here, buy this from me, make this into something from me, it's not going to be worth anything, even though it looked good. You see, if we get our eyes off of where they ought to be, we'll start thinking that things are more valuable than they are. You ever had someone play the cup game where they have three cups out and they put a toy or something underneath you and they move them all around and you're trying to guess which one it's in? The world is like that with ideas and distractions where you end up thinking that you've got your eye on the right thing, but it moves so fast if you're not careful, it'll get away from you. Keep my sayings, he says, keep them in the midst of thine heart. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. I love that there are people in our church who know a lot about the Bible. That excites me because that means that they have been under the systematic teaching and preaching of the Word of God for decades now, and that is fantastic. But I've also met people that know a lot about the Word of God, but I feel like it's just in their head and not in their heart. It's one of the things that I'm very thankful for is that I got out of seminary when I did and finished it all up because I was surrounded by at times what felt like a very cold theology. I'm not saying those people didn't love God, but it was very clinical. It was very disconnected from what people are actually going through on the, the front lines, as it were. And so it's good to realize that it's got to go deeper than your head. It's got to be inside of your heart. And it says in the midst of your heart, not off to the side, but in the very center. Some people divide their life up into boxes in their own mind. Here is like a, a filing cabinet, and here's the drawer for work, and my work thoughts go in there, and here's the one for home, and here's the one for my friends, and here's the one for my spouse, if you have one, or for a girlfriend or boyfriend, here's the one for my church. And, and everything has a box. Well, God doesn't want his word in one of the boxes. Instead of thinking about your life like a filing cabinet in which you have many drawers, think of it like the spokes of a bicycle wheel. And at the very center of the spoke, at the very center of the wheel, is God. And all of those pieces radiating out end in the other areas of your life. So that everything is connected in the center to what's going on with God. That's how he wants his word to be in our lives. Not as something on the side, but something in the very center. Because at the end of the day, if God's not in the center, something else is. And the Bible has a word for whatever that thing is in the center, and it's not God. It's an idol. It is something that we are worshiping other than God. You probably do not bow down in your house to statues that are carved from wood or stone and burn incense to them and recite prayers to them while bowing down on your knees. You most likely do not do that. If you are doing that, I highly recommend you stop. That is obviously idolatry and sinful against God. But you know, I don't have an altar that I bow down to in my house to some false god, but there are times when things will creep into the center of my heart, into the midst of my heart that ought not be there. And they're not always bad things. That's what's, that's what's deceitful about it because it can seem like a good thing. You're working really hard and you're providing well for your family and, and you're climbing the ladder and people are respecting you and you're using your gifts that you've been given and it's a wonderful thing until you find that your career has become in the midst of your heart instead of the Lord and his word.
being a good spouse, being loving and caring, mutually submitting to one another, honoring your, your spouse, your husband, your wife, as Christ and the church and their relationship, that is a wonderful thing. And putting them up before yourself is admirable. But do you know what happens? Sometimes that relationship will slip into the spot where only God belongs. Same thing with our children. Our children are wonderful most of the time. And it's good to take care of your children and to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Same thing with your grandchildren if the Lord's given them to you. But they cannot be in the center. Have you ever known somebody to give their all to their kids and then when the kids are out of the house, they divorce each other? Because they've totally lost connection with one another and they've lost connection with the Lord because everything was about their kids. You see, those aren't bad things. You're like, I, I have uh, drug abuse and addiction at the center of my heart. And everyone can say, that's bad. But when it's something good like that, did you know that even ministry can creep into the midst of your heart? And that's not good? Then you end up so busy doing stuff for God that you have no time for God himself. And I speak from personal experience. It's a real temptation. Only the Lord and his word should be at the midst of our heart. You see, we separate our heart to the Lord and from the things of this world. And it has to be in that order. It has to be in that order. We seek after the right things so that as we do so, it crowds out the wrong things. It crowds out. Why? Why is this important? Because if the heart is the wellspring, if that is the place where it all begins, if that's where we're drawing the water from, if that's the source of where the river is flowing, then everything downstream is affected by it. Everything downstream is affected by it. I have to tell you uh, a funny story that when I was talking with Ashish Das many years ago, and Ashish and I were talking about fishing. And I'm like, did you fish back in India? And he laughed at me. He's like, you don't want to eat the fish out of our rivers. He's like, they are not clean. Why? Well, they were heavily polluted. And I'm like, well, we can mostly eat the things out of Lake Erie. You're mostly okay with that, right? And so I'm like, we should do that sometime. And, and he talked just for a moment about how the way that people treat the rivers and things there, they put stuff into it that you don't want to eat and you don't want put in your body. And because of that, everything downstream, you can't drink and you can't fish out of. In verse number 22, he says, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. I know it seems like the Bible and the word of God and godly things, they're good for our spirit. They're, they're good perhaps even for our, our mental health. But you ask yourself the question, does it really extend into the other areas of our life? Is it really that important as a, a student, as a employee, as a member of society, as a community member, as a, a leader in some organization, as a mother, as a father, it, does it really extend that far into my life that I should make all of these changes? Well, here, the word is saying, it is life, his sayings. Look with me in John, would you please? The Gospel of John, in John chapter 6. Jesus Christ had just preached a very difficult message to a crowd of people that abandoned him afterwards. 
Uh, he was saying things that were hard to understand. He was making claims about himself, that he was the only way to God, that he was more than just a prophet, more than just a rabbi, that he truly was the Son of God. And a lot of people weren't ready to hear that. They didn't want to hear it, and so they left. That's the context as we begin reading in verse number 67. John chapter 6, verse number 67. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Surely these were the words of a man, but these are also the words of God that we read in Proverbs. And it says that his words are the words of eternal life. And so there is nothing more important than this, than your eternity. What's the worst thing that could happen to a person? What's the absolute worst thing that could happen to a person? To die and go to hell. To suffer for their sins for all eternity. In fact, it's such a terrible thing that God made such a great gift, paid such a payment in sending his own son to die for us and as us that we might have a way to be forgiven. There is nothing worse than eternal torment in punishment. That's the worst thing that could happen. And so when someone is telling to, talking to us about the words of life, the words of eternal life, and the place that they need to have in your life, the place that they need to have in your heart, how they need to crowd other things out, we need to take that very seriously. Very seriously. This is more than just, tell me more. I want to subscribe to your newsletter. This is, I'm going to arrange my entire life around these truths, even if it sets me at odds with what's popular or easy. Back in Proverbs chapter 4, he says, for they are life unto those that find them. Aren't you glad that you found the truth of the word of God? Amen. Aren't you glad that you have an anchor for your life? Aren't you glad you're not caught up in a world where the philosophy is always changing, the goalposts are always moving? Because you thought you were virtuous last week, but there's a new thing to be virtuous about this week, and now you've got to change in order to keep up with the times. And if you don't keep up with the times, you get cast out as, as though you never tried. It's never enough, the way that this society moves. Aren't you glad that there is a solid foundation for life and that we can find that in the Word of God? You say, is that really that important to have an anchor like that? Absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. When you get paid from your company, do you want them to be accurate with what they pay you? Would you like that? Would you like your paycheck to be accurate? Or would you like them to just kind of give you whatever? Because that's what they were feeling that day. And you're like, no, my paycheck should be this. And they look at it and they're like, that doesn't really resonate with me. So you're going to get less than that. You say, that would be wild. You couldn't even live in a world like that. How would you know what speed to drive or, or what medicine to take if everybody... Yeah, exactly. And yet this world tries to pretend that there's no standard for anything so that anything is permissible and everything is permissible. But there's no way to live like that and nothing that you can base your life on. It says in verse number 22, and health to all their flesh. It's like medicine to every part of you. The word of God has everything we need inside of it. Verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That last little part, out of it are the issues of life. I, I always kind of thought that that word issues was like, he's got issues. 
Like if you've got issues, it's probably because there's something coming out of your heart. And then I realize it's talking more about like water issuing forth from a source in the mountains. It's talking more like the, the source of a well underground. That's where it's bubbling up from. That's the start. That's where it's all beginning. It is bubbling up. It is issuing forth. And so when, when I thought about this, again, I'm like, wait a minute, that's just not my problems, but everything, the source of all of my life, is going back to whatever's going on in my heart. And I might try and dress it up, and I might try and make it look good, but if the, if the source is polluted, if I've let things in that ought not be in there, then I'm in trouble. And that's why it says that the first part of this, keep thy heart, guard it, protect it, preserve it, put a bodyguard there. Don't let anybody mess with your heart. Keep it with all diligence, meaning it's more than anything else. More than any other thing, you have to protect your heart because if everything comes out of there, then the right things need to be in there and the wrong things definitely need to be cast out. Can you imagine having a heart that's poisoned? In your physical body, you say, that's terrible. If my heart has poison and it, it's going to spread where? Everywhere, Right? Because it's going to pump blood throughout your whole body. That's oftentimes if you know when you get like a snake bite. You've got to address that because once that gets moving through your circulatory system, you can be in serious trouble. In the same way with the real part of you, the eternal part of you, your soul, who you really are. By the way, you're going to exist forever. You're going to exist forever. Good news, it won't be in this body. No one really wants to exist forever in this body. If you're like 18 years old, you might think that's not such a bad thing. Times will change if the Lord tarries and allows you to live. We will live forever. There's a part of you that is eternal that will last as long as God lasts. And that is forever. And that part of us is connected to every part in this life. It is the wellspring. And so if we let things in that ought not be in there, we're going to be in trouble. We're going to be in trouble. Enemies that wanted to poison a river in other days would take an, a dead animal and they'd put it at the source of the river so that all of the deteriorating, diseased putrescence of that animal would then flow. Isn't that a wonderful picture in your mind? Would flow down the water. And even if you couldn't see it after a mile or two, that disease was still in there. And they could poison an entire town that way. Or they could go to a river, excuse me, go to a well that they know people use. And they could put a dead animal inside of there and it would poison all the water that they drank. And whether they took that water up to bathe or to clean uh, clothes in or something to eat and drink, they were preparing food, it affects all of it. And that's the danger with our heart, with what's going on on the inside. And if we don't keep it, if the things that are in there are poisonous, the rest of it will be poisonous. Clean, healthy, pure source, good, clean things come out. That's the good side of this. Not just your issues come out of your heart, but also the good things come out of your heart. This means that if you put the right stuff in, the right stuff's going to come out. And if you want to change, and if you want to be better than you are today, you want to be a better husband, you want to be a better wife, you want to be a better father or mother or grandfather, grandmother, you want to be a better church member, you want to be a better brother or sister, you want to be a better employee, student, Take any relationship, and I want you to know that since everything is downstream of your heart and it flows to all of it, that if you put the right things in your heart, everything rises. Everything gets better. 
So this isn't just, if you, if you watch dirty things, you're poisoning your heart, and so it's going to be terrible. Well, yeah, that's true, but there's something even better of it. If you put the right things in, everything in your life is going to get better. You ever had that experience where you notice that you're, you're growing in certain areas in your life as a believer? And by the way, that's, that's true for anyone that's accepted Christ as their Savior. If there ever was a time when, by faith, you ask God to forgive your sins and be your Savior, you are a believer in Christ, and the Spirit of God has come to live inside of you. And you'll notice that as you feed yourself the right things, it's like your life is producing things that it didn't have before. For example, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, right? The, the fruits of the Spirit, they're, they're coming out naturally. Why? Because you're putting the right things in. The Spirit produces those things out. I can remember God dealing with me about things in my life and cleaning up areas that no preacher ever preached on. Like, how did you know that that needed to be cleaned up? Or how did you know that you needed to start doing that thing if no one ever said it? Because that's what the Spirit of God led me to do. This isn't just a philosophy. This isn't just some idea or club that you belong to. There is a supernatural reality behind faith in Jesus Christ. And it's changing from the inside out when the Spirit of God works in our hearts. But our heart is divided ground. We're eventually going to visit a sermon series this year called The War Within. I started talking about it with the youth group in December, and we're going to build off of some of the things we said. Every area of your life is downstream from your heart. Your health, your career, your studies, your marriage, your parenting, your friendships, your conflicts, your finances, all of it is downstream. So if this is true, how do we put it into action? What, what's, what can we apply? Here's three things for you to take note of as applications today. The first thing is to incline your ear to the Father. The first thing is to incline your ear to the Father, to turn towards him, to make an intentional action to turn so that you can listen to what it is that he's saying. Now you say, which direction do I have to turn to in order to hear from the Father, right? Do I have to turn a little bit more this way? Is it, no, no, did I go too far? Is it back here? It's not about a physical direction. It's about what you're listening to and the attention that you're paying to it. Are you listening to the word of God? Are you reading it yourself? Are you paying attention in Sunday school and in church? Are you seeing it as something vital? Or is it just, well, this is something I do. And so you're sort of listening, you're sort of not listening. And listen, I've been there. I've been there where I don't even know what's going on in the church service. My mind is elsewhere. It's spinning and going in a million different directions. But this is like imagining trying to hear a single voice in a crowded room and having to reorient yourself to hear it. By turning to the Father to better hear, you're also turning away from other voices. And when turning to the Father, we ask this question, what does he say about this? What does the Word of God say about this? What would please him? And if we're not listening to him, if we're not inclining our ear, probably our ear has been pulled in a different direction. And we have to be careful of that. Because, again, it's not just our ears, but it goes into our heart. And if everything is downstream of our heart, then if we let poisonous things in, and you know what's poisonous. You say, how do I know what's poisonous? How do I know if I should be watching or listening to it? How do I know if I should be reading it? How do I know if I should be giving my time to it? Here, here is a very easy thing that you can do. If Jesus was sitting right next to you while you were doing it, would you feel comfortable about it? Would he be happy? If so, keep doing it. It's not bad then. 
But if Jesus would show up and you would quickly close your web browser, if Jesus would show up and you change the channel on what you're listening to, on the, the radio or, or what playlist you're on, if Jesus would show up and you would quickly open a different app on your phone, stop wasting time, if you wouldn't be in that place when Jesus showed up, because you'd, you'd be like, Jesus, you don't even want to go in there. If that's what it is, then chances are you're not inclining your ear to the Father by putting those things in. Ah, it's not that big of a deal. I'm a mature Christian. I can handle it. Changes happen slightly, a little bit at a time. And it goes from the Word of God being in the midst of your heart to being a little bit off-center. And then before you know it, it's at the edge. And then it's so far out that there's something else that's taken the place of it. We need to choose to turn and listen to the Father. I've tried to listen to two conversations at once. It doesn't work out so hot. You know what I'm talking about. You're, you're in public with somebody and you're talking and you catch just a little bit of the conversation from the next table and you're like, what are they talking about? It's wild. Something weird is going on. Maybe they're fighting with each other. I don't know why we like to listen to that stuff. But it's like, I gotta, I gotta listen to what's And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's what happens with so many Christians. We're not like, I'm gonna go find some atheist philosopher and read all of his books and listen to all of his YouTube lectures. No, usually it's, we're getting, we're getting some church, we're getting some Bible, but then we're also getting pulled off in another direction. And before you know it, you're further one way than you are the other. Incline your ear to the Father. Second of all, center your heart and mind on God's word. Center your heart and mind. We're challenged to keep it in the midst of our heart, to preserve it. And see, it's a battle to get it there. It really is a battle to get it there. And then it's a battle to keep it there. It's a battle to get his word there, and it's a battle to keep it there. Because really, it seems like a lot of work. It seems like effort. It seems like it won't be fun. I don't know who ever told people that if they got serious about God, they wouldn't be allowed to have fun anymore. People, they, you know what happens? What changes? What you find fun. What you find enjoyable. How many have experienced that in your Christian life? That the things you used to find fun, they're not fun anymore. But the things of God have become joy to you. Isn't that wonderful? He's like, that hasn't happened yet. Keep going. It will. Keep going. It will. I never got there in running, but someone once told me that if you run long enough, you get something called a runner's high. Have anyone ever experienced that? A runner's high? I've never, I've, I don't, they tell me it's there, but I've never run long enough to get it. I'm telling you, there's something far better than that in serving the Lord and making your delight in the law of God. Our hearts, they're slippery, they're deceitful, they're fickle. And one moment we might be doing well and the things of God might be dwelling in the midst of our heart and that's fantastic. And then the next moment they've been kicked to the side and something else has snuck in. And you can tell because you're giving all of your thought and money and effort to something else. And maybe it's not bad. But there's a difference between good and bad and good and the best. And we want to choose the best, which is always the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we must read it. We must study the Word of God. We must memorize it. We must meditate on it. We must participate in Sunday school. We must listen to the preaching of the Word of God. This is what helps us. Uh, there's a crowding out that happens in our heart. The more Jesus that you put in by receiving his word, the more it crowds out the things that ought not be there. I have really tried in my Christian life 
to get rid of some things that I knew were sinful habits. But whenever I focused on the sinful habit, it seemed almost impossible to get rid of it. It's almost like it got bigger and bigger in my mind because I was dwelling on it. Do you know how eventually those problems left me? It was that Christ got bigger and there was no room for them left. There was no room for them left. The more Jesus that was in there, the more that I didn't want those things. Center your heart and mind on God's word. And lastly, guard your heart. Guard your heart. As a poisoned source pollutes the whole river, so a poisoned heart pollutes a whole life. What you allow into or allow to remain inside of your heart will affect everything downstream. You say, I understand what a poisoned river looks like, but what does a poisoned heart look like? A heart that's filled with bitterness. That is always stirring up the past wrongs that have been done to you. A heart that's filled with anger. And instead of letting God have his rightful place, you try and call all the shots. And when people don't line up with what you want, you get angry with them. A heart filled with lust or greed or covetousness. A heart that says, I want more than what God has decided I should have. And you keep replaying it over and over again. You're poisoning yourself. The more you do that, the worse it's going to become. What bitter and hateful thoughts have you allowed into your heart? And not just allowed there, but you almost treat them like a favorite pet. You keep them around and you feed them. And you take them out and spend time with them. And it just, it's polluting everything else. You say, no, it's not. I'm just mad at that person. And I have reason to be mad at them. And maybe you do. But you see, everything is downstream from your heart. All of it. You say, is it always bitterness and anger? No, it can be a number of things. It can be a number of things. Are you watching or listening or reading poisonous things? I want you to know it's going to affect everything else. And we say it's not going to until we get there. You ever met someone that ruined their life? They didn't go from one day being fine to the next day having their life ruined. They let some things in that ought not be there, and they dwelt on it. And they gave more and more of their thought life over to it. And they gave more of their attention over to it. And before you know it, it ruled inside their heart. But it was still inside their heart, and it hadn't made its way out yet. But it does make its way out. Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so then from the heart, the mouth starts working. And then the words start working, and the words start getting you in trouble. Little cutting comment here. Little lie there. Little flirting here. And before you know it, it moves beyond words, and then it starts to go to actions. And the actions are small at first. It's not that big of a deal but they become more. And what was just hateful in your heart becomes abusive with your fists. And what was just discontentment with how your life turns out turns to you shredding everybody to ribbons with your words on a regular basis and making your home a battlefield. What did just turn out to thinking, I put so much work in here and no one appreciates me, turns into you griping and complaining and before you know it, you're embezzling and you're stealing and you're taking things that don't belong to you, and you're cutting corners so you can put more in your pocket. It always starts out small, but everything is downstream, and it will flow downstream. And so you and I, we have to look at this and say, God is asking us, he's challenging us, he is commanding us as his children, as a loving father to his child, 
who is on a path to hurt himself, to hurt herself, and he says, stop, guard your heart, recognize what needs to be in there. We need to remove the poisonous things. That's true. But before we get there, we need to put in the right things. And we need to pay attention when the right things come. We need to incline our hearts. We need to incline our ears. We need to turn ourselves towards it. We need to view it for the value that it is. You say, it's really not that big of a problem. It's not stealing. I'm not super bitter. No one's really being hurt by what I'm doing now. But as it festers, where will it end up? Where will it end up? The heart of the matter. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes for just a moment? I want to thank you for your good attention today. I want you to know that in our church we have something called a time of invitation where we invite you to act on what it is that God has spoken to you about. And this isn't, this isn't perhaps the most cheerful message. I love to preach about God's love and heaven, the forgiveness and new life that we have. But I can tell you, and so are some of the other men in this room, and so have you in your own life, I've just seen too many people ruin their lives. I've seen too many people break beautiful things because they allowed their heart to become polluted and it flowed downstream and eventually the whole life was poisoned by it. It's one of the most heartbreaking things to see it happen. One of the most heartbreaking things. And if there's anything that I can do to try and keep you from experiencing that, to keep your family from experiencing it, to keep the name of Christ from experiencing a failure in your life that would bring reproach on him, then I'm willing to bring a message that's uncomfortable. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus Christ died for you. He gave his life. He laid it down. No one took it from him. He did it because he loved you, not because he had to. He wanted to. You see, your sin had separated you from God, just like my sin has separated me from God. And that means that if I'm separated from God in this life because of my sin, I'll be separated from God in the life to come because of my sin. But because God wanted me with him forever and God wanted you with him forever, the Lord Jesus came and he shed his own blood on the cross. He laid down his life as that perfect sacrifice so that we might have the forgiveness of sins. If you've never, by faith, trusted Christ as your Savior, that's where all of this begins. You can't ever hope to clean your heart unless you have the Word of God dwelling in it. And you will never have the Word of God dwelling in it until you have the right relationship with God. And that all begins by praying and asking the Lord Jesus to forgive your sins and be your Savior. I was an 18-year-old young man when I knelt down at the side of my bed and prayed and asked the Lord Jesus to forgive my sins and to save me. And I didn't change immediately, but he began to clean up the things that were in my heart that ought not be there. And he continues to do so to this day, giving me a life of blessing and of rejoicing so much more than I could ever imagine. Even when the circumstances aren't good, God is good. And so I can have peace. Friend, you can have that today. Peace in this life, but peace with God so that you have life in the world to come. If that's you and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, in just a moment, people are going to stand and sing. I want to invite you to come forward. I'll be seated, or standing here at the, the front of this row while people are standing and singing. Just come and let me know and say, Pastor, I need to know for sure that I'm saved. I need to know that my sins are forgiven. 
And someone will take you aside privately, a gentleman with a gentleman, a lady with a lady, and they'll show you from God's word how you can know without a doubt that you're saved. Nothing better than you could do to get that settled today. But believer, believer, who are you inclining your ear toward? Who are you inclining your ear toward? Is it the right, good, godly things? Or is it poisonous whispers? What's your relationship with the Word of God? Has it become drudgery and boring to you? Has it become an afterthought? Maybe you need to ask the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Help me to see it as as valuable as it is. Help me to have a desire for it. Help me to grow to where I get that runner's high, that enjoyment in the Christian life. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if that's you and you're saying, Lord, help me to have more of an appetite for your word, to put it where it belongs in my heart, just between you and me and the Lord, would you slip your hand up and say, that's me. Amen. Lord, anybody else? Lord, help me. I want to pray for you. Anybody like that? Amen. Praise God. Friends, I ask this, not knowing your heart, but knowing that the Spirit does. Is something poisoned at the source? Is there something there that ought not be there? Is it causing trouble everywhere else? If it's not, it will eventually. You can't fix it downstream. You have to go to the source. You can't just put on a smile. You can't just pretend everything's okay. You can't just turn over a new leaf. You've got to go to the very source of it. Put God in his rightful place so that he might crowd out the things that don't belong there. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, would there be anybody here, because I want to pray for you, that would say, that's, that's me, pray for me. There's something that ought not be there. Amen. Maybe it's a good thing, but it still shouldn't be there. Amen. Something is out of, out of line. Amen. The Lord sees your hand. Anybody else? Amen. Yes. Hands all over. Praise God. Friend, if that's you, bring it to the Lord. Ask him to cleanse it. Ask him to show you what's going on at the source so that you can be pure and clean downstream. Father, we open this time of invitation asking you to work. May you work in the hearts of those that so desperately need it. We thank you for being a God who knows and loves and cares despite of our failings. Be exalted in how your people say yes to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.